0: This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com, on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us for another episode, post-supercars season. Very shortly, Richard Crowell and Mark Walker to join me. Plenty of news in the world of supercars in regards to what we know as the silly season. Who's going to be where? Where are they going to be? We'll find out shortly also. We'll talk F1s with uh, Rogers. Speaking of F1 though, let's kick off our news with Lewis Hamilton. He's moved into outright first for the all-time Formula 1 Grand Prix victories, moving past Michael Schumacher with his 92nd win in Portugal. Hamilton recovered after a slow start and was barely troubled as he cruised to his eighth win of the season ahead of Valtteri Bottas, and Max Verstappen. Records are there to be broken, said Michael Schumacher. The record is broken. Lewis Hamilton wins the Portuguese Grand Prix. Hamilton has more wins than any other driver in Formula One history. Post-race, a humbled Hamilton reflected on his career changing move to Mercedes. Can you describe your emotions as you cross the line here in Portugal?
1: <sighs> well, thank you. It's... Um... I think ultimately just uh, very proud of the job that um, but ultimately you know the job that I felt like I was able to do today and um, the things I was able to overcome, but the job that we have done collectively as a team um, and it just it's just reminisce of the beginning when I joined the team, the decision that I took to join the team, and then what we've done since uh, did I think that we would get to. You know, I, I knew that we would win championships. Did I think we would win as many as we we have? No. Did I think that we would win this many races? Of course not. Uh, but this is a phenomenal time for us, um, and the great thing is that we're all. It's not just me that's uh, that's living in the with the history. It's the whole team, and I think everyone acknowledges and realizes how much they are part of it. And uh, so I, I feel incredibly grateful to my teammates
0: uh- McLaren driver Lando Norris has slammed Racing points Lance Stroll after their lap 18 collision ended Norris's chance of points at Porto Mayo Norris has run as high as third but was forced to pit following an incident with Stroll who later retired with 15 laps to go Norris ultimately finished 13th and wasn't impressed with the Canadian post race yeah yeah I
1: don't know what he was doing really I mean he went to the left. I don't know where he was really. Um, he went, yeah, to the left, which I was quite surprised by when he very easily could have gone to the inside. Um, and also, you know, easily halfway alongside, and he just turns in. So he obviously didn't learn from Friday, but he doesn't seem to learn with anything he does. So um, it happens a lot with him. Uh, so I just need to make sure I stay away next
0: time. Red Bull boss Christian Horner has reaffirmed the team's commitment to Alex Albon for the rest of the Formula One season. Last week, Horner noted the team may seek an experienced replacement for Albon should his struggles continue, which they did. In Portugal, he finished 12th. Nico Hockenberg and Sergio Perez loom as likely contenders. Horner, uh, Horner sorry, ruled out trialling them this year at Albon's expense. Supercars news and Rick Kelly has announced his retirement from full-time Supercars competition following a 19-year career in which he won the Drivers' Championship in 2006. Kelly made his Supercars debut at the 2001 Queensland 500 with the Kmart Racing Team and would go on to win Bathurst in 2003 and 2004. Here's Rick Kelly talking about his retirement.
2: Hey guys. Well, what an unpredictable season 2020 was. Certainly full of challenges, especially being um, on the road for almost four months straight. It was a big challenge but tried to turn that challenge into an opportunity and uh, I saw some parts of Australia I thought I'd never get the chance to do whilst we uh, managed to still complete the, the full championship which was pretty cool. Obviously um, it was pretty challenging as a first year in, in the Ford Mustangs for Kelly Racing because we certainly needed some time to head back to the workshop with all our staff and uh, you know tidy up the cars and develop them as quickly as we could being such a fresh package for us. But nevertheless we, uh, we tried as hard as we could and, and put together a pretty solid showing um, with all things considered. Obviously, the championship for us didn't finish as well as what we would like. Uh, 17 laps down at Bathurst is not an ideal situation, and the race for us was basically over before it started with a, with a clutch failure, which we're, uh, we're still looking into. But nevertheless, um, the season's done and dusted now, and I'm going to um, also be stepping out of the supercar as a full-time driver at the end of 2020 as well. I feel like I've had a really solid hustle in supercars for 19 years as a main driver and obviously 20 years including the Enduros um, for me. So yes, it's uh, certainly gonna be a little bit different because uh, I'm giving up something I've worked my entire life to to have and be in that opportunity. Um, I've certainly enjoyed it. It's it's provided me some unbelievable opportunities to, to work with great um, people within Kelly Racing and the team I've been with, um, some fantastic brands in. Um, Castrol firstly who I've managed to uh, have a relationship there all the way back to 2003 and 04 Bathurst wins. I've really enjoyed representing uh, Ben, Sue and the entire team at Castrol as a naming rights partner on our car that's been really cool and with that I've had the chance to work with some really amazing brands both in Australia and global brands as well and met some fantastic people along the way and it's certainly part of uh, my job I've really really loved. Um, for me the team at Kelly Racing are an unbelievable bunch of people. Um, to see the effort they put in and the, and the lengths that they go to to provide the drivers with the, the best possible um, package to go and compete with is is pretty cool. For me that's definitely something I'm going to miss but I'm um, really going to be excited to see what uh, the entire team there put together for next year. Um, they're starting to build a lot of momentum now um, with the work that Todd and the entire team have done there. So. Uh, For me, I'll be sitting back and, I guess, missing it a little bit, but certainly, like I say, being very excited for what they can deliver in the future. Um, For me, obviously, the fans have been a a big part of certainly the recent years um, of my driving. And when I say recent years, obviously there's been so many fans uh, throughout the entire 20 years but it's really only been the last few years that I've, I've sort of been a little bit more relaxed about my driving and, and um, taking the blinkers off so to speak and, and sat uh, back and, and sort of understood what motorsport and supercars means to so many different people and I've had such great supporters um, for the 20 odd years of, of my career so I really want to thank everyone that's, um, that's supported me and, and helped give me energy to go out there and uh, compete against everyone else. Um have built some fantastic relationships with the followers of motorsport and supercars. There's so many, um, but just to mention a couple, um, Rob Wayne from New South Wales, always at the races holding the Rick Kelly and Castrol Racing flag hike and hear him shout as we pass by on the driver's parade. It's, um, it's pretty cool to see. Um, Lee Davis, who, who lives at uh, Winton in Benalla, uh, which is obviously our test track, always turning up to the track on, on the test days with caramel slices and chicken sandwiches for the for the guys and, and girls so that we can get out there and keep focused on testing and obviously very loyal fan um, throughout the year as well. Um, Jenny King who always sends uh, chocolates our way for all the, all the big occasions and obviously a lot of messages um, of support in and out of the, the race meetings that we go to. And, just wanted to mention a couple. There's so many I could be here all day mentioning, but it's just a good example of you know the diverse crowd that we have um, and supporters that we have following supercars, and you know the, they do touch um, the drivers in, in different ways. And I've certainly really enjoyed the support of um, everyone that's um, that's had our back. So thank you very much. Um, as far as what's next for me, I really am not too sure. I've put every little bit of energy I've had. Um, in 2020 into the program and, and trying to do the best job we can on the track and obviously for the sponsors as well so now that's all done and dusted I'm going to sit back and um, I guess reflect on you know the 20 years that I've had because I haven't really done that I'm always worried about what's happening next not what's happened in the past so take a little bit of time to do that and, and relax and um, work out what the next project is for me and uh, grab it by the balls and see what I can make of it. So again, I just want to thank everyone um, for their support. Like I say, it's a, a tough decision to make and um, difficult to talk about, but um, just wanted to get get it out there and uh, like I say, take, take a bit of a breath and see what's next. So thanks very much, everyone. Hope you have a, a fantastic break um, over the Christmas period and uh, can't wait to see what the future holds for everyone. Cheers.
0: Jamie Winkup and some 888 staff has been ordered to leave Queensland or enter quarantine following a change of heart from the Queensland Government. The team has been granted a freight exemption to return to their base following the Bathurst 1000, with Winkup believed to have driven one of the trucks. The team travelled to Kingscliff after the decision reversal, which is part of the border bubble and not considered a hotspot. Scott McLaughlin described his IndyCar debut as the best day of his life, bar his wedding, despite crashing out halfway through the St. Petersburg event.
2: Tell us about your first experience in an IndyCar. Oh, it was awesome. Far out. It was the best day of my life, bar my wedding.
0: New Zealand's Scott Dixon sealed his sixth IndyCar Series title, finishing third in the season's final race at St. Petersburg. The Brisbane-born Chip Ganassi racing driver completed the season with four wins and three additional podiums. He finished 16 points ahead of second-place Josef Newgarden and 116 points from Colton Herder in third place. Spaniard Johan Murder has extended his lead atop the MotoGP standings with a third-place finish in Tyriel, finishing behind Franco Morbidelli and Alex Rins, Murray has opened up a 14-point gap with three races remaining on Fabio Quartararo, who had another race to forget, finishing eighth. Morbidelli has moved into fourth in the overall standings. MotoGP now moves to Spain for the European Grand Prix in a fortnight. Brad Binder will have to serve a long suspension at next month's European Grand Prix having collided with Australian Jack Miller on the first lap at Aragon. Network 10 owner Viacom CBS has confirmed the station will broadcast next year's Australian Formula One Grand Prix, as well as the accompanying Albert Park round of supercars. Anti-siphoning laws ensure the local race must be broadcast on free-to-wear, although confusion has arisen given the Seven Network supercar partnership with Fox Sports. Network 10 also said to continue its broadcast of MotoGP in 2021. 11 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander youngsters will begin constructing and driving a car as part of the Racing Together Indigenous Motor Racing Team. Selected from a pool of 30 in Queensland, the candidates undertook driving and mechanical aptitude testing in Norwell. The car will now be constructed under the guidance of a team including Bathurst 1000 winner Paul Morris and will be entered in the 2021 X3 Circuit xl racing series that's the news let's get into the show this is on the grid on mypodcasthouse.com all right time to welcome my two co-hosts for this first segment of course richard Crail and mark walker from the racetalk.com hello gentlemen
3: hello boys how are we
4: marvelous excellent mark oh look yeah season's finished but stuff's still happening it's all serious
0: task does it when
4: I don't even care about that, but silly season—we've got silly season happening. Oh, it's, it's very a, impressive, isn't it? Silly too. It's not Anybody
3: silly. It's
0: article com-
4: in uh, auto
3: action this week. It's com- completely mental, silly. mental season, isn't it? It's um, all these uh, all the Australian motorsport media industry all rolling into the first Saturday off in probably four months, given how busy it's been, and um, the world just explodes with the, with Scott McLaughlin and Roger Penske. And then then it just keeps going on crazier and crazier with uh, some pretty madhouse theories about what's going to happen over the next couple of months with the supercars grid. So, um, yeah, there's a there's a fair bit going on.
0: The funny thing about it is, is that as soon as you write one of those articles, invariably it's out of date within 24 hours.
4: Yeah. Oh, well, Fogs' well, one yesterday was about 10 minutes. And <laughs> yeah.
0: unfortunately for Mark Fogarty, that article on the, uh, Auto Action where he had Rick Kelly going to Tickford yes, was gazumped, bang, <laughs> straight away when Rick Kelly said, nah,
3: your folks, I'm retiring. <laughs> that's exactly what he thought of that article. <laughs> Although, like, maybe, like, if Rico, why he wouldn't co-drive for Kelly Racing, I don't know, but I don't know. Maybe maybe he does go to Tickford as a co-driver. But yeah, that's, um, I think it was you, Mark, who said that um, if you throw enough darts at the dartboard, some of them will land eventually, won't they? So, um that's a bit of the case of this uh, this uh silly season and the way they're filled. It's going to be a very different looking field next year, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. So yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting to see where it all lands. I suppose the first cab off the
4: rank is Scott McLaughlin. We talked about it at length last week, but subsequent to that, it has been confirmed that he is going to the States. That is locked and loaded. And, there will be some form of wholesale change at Dejar Tampensky next year. Mm. We, we ran a stat story on the race talk over the weekend, breaking down season 2020, and he was just such a dominant force. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for people to step up. He won 48% of all the races this year. Mm. Holden's won 41% and the other Ford's won 11 If you took McLaughlin out of it, it went up breaking down uh, 74%. Win ratio to hold in twenty six to Ford. Yeah, so like it's just massively in favour of Ford. So the the blue oval has to step up now that Scotty's not there. Whether it's the two guys who will be filling in the seats that uh, DGR team. Well, it's not even DGR team Penske anymore, DGR. is it? It's just DGR. Mm. And well, uh, and that's
0: the other thing too, though, isn't it? I mean, in all sincerity, take Scotting out of the team is a massive blow, but taking the TP out of the team, Team Pensky, is a is a an. As big a hit as Scott uh, leaving,
3: I think. No, do you know? I don't reckon it is. No, no, I, reckon, okay. no I, I don't think so. Because like the Roger Penske influence has been fantastic. Um, it, It's been significant. It's been brilliant. But, but the legacy that Roger leaves in supercars is rebuilding Dick Johnson racing and, yep. and giving the team the financial capital to rebuild. So even with the late Steve Brayback, even with the good Dr. Ryan story, and the investment that they bring the, the amount that they could invest in the team, I would imagine it was nowhere the way of what Roger could put in from a Penske point of view. And, mm-hmm. and certainly from a commercial side, what Penske brought to that operation in terms of contacts, I mean, he got Ford back involved in the sport, brought shell back as a major backer. Um, they're all direct benefits, but, but what it's done is it's tooled Dick Johnson racing up so that we Smart management and there's every sign that that with Ryan and with Ben Croke as the team manager and with the people they've got now firmly established, there's no reason why as a sporting entity it shouldn't shouldn't continue on doing what they've done. Um, But Roger's investment has allowed them to build up to a level where as an outfit they can compete with Triple Eight. So that investment's been made. Now it's just a matter of maintaining it. Yeah, okay. and, and that costs much less than spending to bring it up to a level. So I, I think his enduring legacy is is a not necessarily saving because the team had already been saved, but certainly spending to get Dick Johnson racing up to the front of the field where hopefully they can maintain that as a, as a competitive entity moving forward.
4: So the thing moving forward is that that team is alleged to have the same budget next year as they did this year. They're not going to lose anything. All those sponsors are still going to be locked in for next year. And that's the thing with these good teams. It's a cycle. They've got the most money. They can get the best people. The best people do the best job. They win the races. They get the most money. And that just keeps going around in circles. So next year, the thing they're going to miss is Scott McLaughlin. He was far and away the best driver in this series for the past three, maybe four years. Uh, that's going to be hard to replace. The thing is that they're replacing him with Anton Di Pasquale, who has been tagged as the, allegedly allegedly is the next best thing coming through. I mean, Dr. Ryan's story, he's a doctor of numbers. Mm -hmm. He crunches numbers and he has been very high on Anton for a long time. He would look very, very closely and all the teams do. They look very closely at these stats and they know where everyone is at relative. So mm. you put Anton in that good car, in that good environment, he should be capable, all things yeah. being equal. Obviously, there'll be a betting in period uh, of getting good results, stepping up better than where he has been this last little bit. The other thing that uh, has been floating around the internet a bit is what does Ludo do? Does Ludo stay? Does Ludo go? And to be honest, I don't think that's a massive thing. You look at 888. When he left Triple Eight, Triple Eight kept winning, and they've kept mm. winning. Without Ludo, you don't need Ludo to win. Here's one person, obviously he helps. Uh, he is definitely assisted in what's going on there, but there are a lot of smart people in that operation. Uh, from the design side of things, you know, they've got Perry Kappa still in the background there. There's all sorts of people involved who uh, have contributed to the success of that squad. So even if Ludo does pull the pin, I think they'll, they'll still be around in the ballpark. And next year is a bit of a question mark anyway, because it's a lame duck year. They're running these... Cars for the last time, how much more effort are they going to devote into bringing them up to speed, even more than what they are? They're fairly mm-hmm. highly developed as they are. They've had these cars since 2013, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. How much focus is going to go towards the Gen 3 car, which I suppose is another talking point altogether. So, the other talk also
0: is uh, while we're at uh, Dick Johnson Racing. Is that uh, Fabian Coulthard probably on the outer? Is what we're hearing, mm. and Will Davison is the most likely replacement for
3: him. Well, that's the the chatty chat amongst the paddock, isn't it? Has been for a while. Um, Yeah, I, I suppose the interesting thing for mine is when you look at DJR Team Penske, and, and on Mark's point, it, it's Scott McLaughlin racing for the last three years. With the fullest of respect to Fabian,
0: yeah, no, you spot.
3: The interesting thing is if you look at the team's championship, it's a hundred points between them and Red Bull Holden racing team, triple eight. So on a, on a level, yes, McLaughlin's dominated and the team by that nature has dominated because Scott's done 50% of the winning of the entire series. But on a team basis, when you level it out across two cars per team, there's nothing between them. So my next thought is, is a, anton will davo one-two punch stronger than a jamie shane van Gisbergen one-two punch when they're already 100 points apart will will bringing will davison into that team help them have two competitive cars so they can stay at that same level with triple eight or will this be something that gets triple eight at the front that that for me is the interesting thing because the the key element out of this silly season is is djr going into next year with two good cars that can run at the front because that's the advantage triple eight has had as inconsistent as they've been Mark this year and and one weekend it'd be Shane and Jamie would be nowhere and vice versa. They've still got two absolutely gun cars. And this year they've been the only team that's had that week in week out. So that for mine is the big thing about what DJR does next year from a driving point of view
4: uh on on the subject of scotty i don't think i articulated it very well last week when you asked but uh next year over there full-time in indycar he asked a question about the ovals he has tested at texas motor speedway they are running a double header there next year there's only essentially four races on ovals in the indycar series next year two at texas indianapolis motor speedway for the 500 and uh a a race Gateway. at Gateway later mm. on in the year. So it, it isn't a, a massive oval focus for him next year. So that should make it easy. And I mean, Indy's something completely different again. I mean, they're all different styles of ovals mm. in inverted commas. But uh, Rich, you know, how did he go on that uh, on the weekend there? Obviously, he practiced very well.
3: Oh, I caught up a bit. No, he, he did a super job. I mean, yep. it's such a competitive field and he was. 1.3 seconds off the fastest time in qualifying. Um, and he got knocked out in the first group, obviously. But I think the practice session was the most impressive thing because it was just yep. 90 minutes, long running. Um, just to finish on the oval point, the the comparison to make there is what happened with Will Power when he went to Penske. So Will wasn't much chop and actually said he hated ovals in that the end of Champ Car when there was only one or two a year and the first couple of years when they merged with what was the IRL and it was, there was a lot of ovals. Will really struggled, but when he went to Penske, he got fast because Penske's got Rick Mears, arguably the best oval track racing Indy cars probably ever had. Um, And Rick works very closely with all the Penske's drivers to get them up to speed. So Scott will have that to tap into. I have absolutely no doubt that he will be fine on the ovals. And as we've seen with everything Scotty's done, He's got cojones the size of grapefruit. So confidence and backing himself to do the job isn't going to be a massive drama. I'm, I'm actually his... glad you brought that up, Mark. So just very quickly, mm. I, I answered that question myself
0: on Monday morning when I saw that Jimmy Johnson was yeah. driving in Indies next year and he was only doing the road <laughs> course. And I thought, what's he use doing if you're only going to do half the season? So I went and looked at next year's calendar yeah. and actually realized that there was only a few, uh, I think... a few ovals.
3: I think the difference with Scotty and Jimmy is about 15 years of age and yeah. and Jimmy's at a point in his career where he doesn't need to do, he doesn't want the risk. He's got two young kids, three young kids, a couple of young kids anyway. that um, he knows off. Yeah, well, yeah, he's he's well established. He's, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. What? He's got absolutely nothing to prove. So in his mind, doesn't feel the need to have that little bit of element of risk in running the oval scotty's different he's going in as a full-time driver at the the start of a new career um yeah just to finish the point on how he went i, I thought he did a really really good job and, and we touched on it in the show last week about going into that track which is really fast 60 odd second laps concrete canyon really really demanding you've never driven an indy car on a straight track um all the things he had to learn and, and practice was really impressive um and chipped away and chipped away and, and by 40 minutes into a 90 minute session, he popped up and was third and it was legitimate third fastest. It was a, a time that would have qualified him in the top 10. So he struggled a little bit on the red tire, which is their soft compound tire, which is no surprise because they were taking four or five laps to get up to their operating window in qualifying. So he couldn't get it switched on quickly. This, this, that's just time seat time that will get him up to speed, but he looked like on on pace that he deserved to be there. And um, as for the the little drama that took him out of the race, he had to look down the inside at turn one there, which goes from being an airport runway to a taxiway. So massive wide into nothing. Um, VK was in front. There was a little bit of contact, but um, there were four quite quick restarts at the end of that race. It all sort of teed off and everyone was crashing on restarts and much bigger names than he, including James Hinchcliffe had, had Barry's at the end of that race. So Scott was in a, not a, not an elite group. Really. Everyone had a, had a bit of a drama in that motor race. So it was, um, I thought it was outstanding. He looked like he belonged guys. He, he, he rolled in and within a practice session, he looked like he was there.
0: Just Mark very quickly before I throw to you, it's an interesting place to make you to build any car. Cause it's such a tight and mm. tough track. St. Pete's, but Scott would have looked at it as if it was nearly the gold coast. The,
3: Yeah, but it's all well and good driving Gold Coast in a supercar when you're driving something fundamentally different in a Wings and Slicks slicks Aero car.
4: And the good news is that he will be back for Bathurst next year with all the calendars aligning, and he will line up against alongside Will Davison or Anton Di Pasquale. So, I mean, that'll be an absolutely gun outfit whichever way that winds up going. So, uh, that's something to look forward to, I reckon.
3: How's the plot line in IndyCar next year, though? So, you've got... In Scott Dixon, you've now got the most successful driver of the current two decades and second most of all time. You've got statistically the most successful NASCAR driver in history. You've got one of the best supercar drivers in history in that field. It's, it's pretty awesome the amount of talent that's going to be at the point of the end of that field. Just statistically alone, it's, it's going to be good fun to watch.
0: Yeah, uh, certainly will be. There's no doubt about that. Just turning our attention back to supercars in silly season, that's uh, Dick Johnson Racing spoken about if we turn our attention then to Erebus I suppose might be next if we're saying that Anton De Pasquale is leaving Erebus i see a story today suggesting that uh, Barry Ryan the uh, the boss at Erebus would like to know whether Anton and also Dave Reynolds may be leaving Erebus as well Uh, if we know that if we know that Anton's going to DJR where are we projecting that uh, Dave's gonna go Richard, you're up.
3: Oh, great! Thanks. Well, um,
0: we, we could start with Mark <laughs> Fogarty's reporting. He suggested that he might well, be under Kelly Racing, but well, there's there's a lot of uh, water under the bridge to happen there, isn't there?
3: Well, yeah, because that didn't end well the last time he he left Kelly's. And
4: the other thing that Reynolds did was bag out Deja Team Penske mercifully since Bathurst, like well, since last year. Yeah, like he's burnt that bridge fairly horrendously as well. So kind of make yourself hard. You know, you look at Will Davison. He's never burned a bridge in his life. He's wound up going back to Tickford. He's going to wind Mm. up back at DJR because he's always left things on good terms and and hasn't had all these dramas that have sort of burnt the bridges there. It's going to be interesting. I think the thing that's got to play out is where all the licences are going to wind up and where do people... Get licenses from if they mm. want to expand. Like Matt Stone wants to expand, Tickford need a license. Uh, Brad Jones Racing need a license. Uh, Blanchard's by the Cool Drive thing. That sounds like they're going to branch out and start their own team. So there's there's lots of plays in the background there. It's all well and good saying that Fabian's going to go to Brad Jones and Reynolds is going to go here or there, but does everyone have a license ready to roll? So that's that's the bit that's got to play cool. out for mine.
3: Cool Drive hold a lot of the aces in this i reckon depending on what they decide they want to do um, and there were reports linking fabian to that seat as well which wouldn't be a crazy thing if they wanted to do their own um their own program but then there there are other media reports linking them to, to tickford and that license goes to tickford run as a satellite car cool drive branding appears on one car and it all sort of weaves its way through and, and tickford have been very smart across their sponsor portfolio in um, in managing their brands across all of the various cars and, and really getting everything quite cohesive so that they can, they've got 57 different sponsors, but they all sort of support the whole across the four cars. So that could be, could be something the, the Reynolds thing is really interesting because, you know, 18 months ago, it was sunshine and rainbows and 10 year deal. So yeah the the inevitable reports on what actually has gone on there when they eventually come out will be really interesting to read because um clearly there's been even to to get to the point where there's speculation that Dave would leave, there's um there's clearly been some water passing under that bridge in the intervening twelve months that um that means not everything's rosy anymore. That's got that, to a that's situation a seismic shift, isn't it? Like,
0: it's got to a situation between him and Barry Ryan though that Either Reynolds leaves or Barry leaves. Reynolds well, couldn't stay if Barry stays.
3: Who knows? We we don't know, and no one's no one's talking, are they? No, except but from the, what we're hearing, the, the, the,
0: the relationship between those two is pretty much soured this year, hasn't it?
3: Well, has it? Uh, unless they uh, yeah. unless they come out in the press and say, "Oh no, I hate the guy," yeah, which which knowing those two could happen. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's weird. Uh, that that's a fundamental. Shift in the driver market that no one would have picked six months ago, even when they returned to racing and there was a bit of a form slump, you wouldn't have gone. Oh, Reynolds will be out. So that that's all come pretty quickly in the last um, last couple of weeks, hasn't it? That he might be out, leaving that team, and that that shifts everything, because all of a sudden there's a pretty good seat up for grabs, and there's a bloody good driver up for grabs as well. So it just changes the the dynamic of that driver market, and now there's a decent seat at Kelly racing uh, that's more than open, which I think is going to be, that's going to be a really interesting story that no one thought was going to be a storyline. Cause for all intents and purposes, they were, they were locked in. So that's, um, that's really interesting.
4: I think the Rico retiring thing, it's sort of been on the cards. Like I think it was, it's, it was mentioned, but it was sort of forgotten. It was just assumed that he, he would truck on. I suppose for mine, uh, it's a bit hard to take. Cause uh, you know, Rico has been a, a mate of mine for a, a long time and you know, I sort of went into doing his PR a few years ago, not knowing what to expect, mm. but he's, he is just the warmest, nicest bloke. Like some of the, the personal stuff we went through as a family back then, mm. uh, we were in Melbourne, didn't have family about, but Rico was just like, Oh, do you want to go out for a meal? Let's go out and catch up and, he's just such a genuine nice dude that, uh, and that's a side of a lot of these guys that nobody ever sees. You see these people on the TV and you, you form an opinion about how they drive their race cars, but uh, even guys like Jamie Wincup, like so many people have an opinion about Jamie, but he's just a genuine, warm, lovely dude. Yeah, when you,
1: super.
4: you know, when you, you get him away from the racetrack and away from the, the whole motorsport thing, mm. there's some really great people in our sport and, and, yeah you know, Rico's not dying. He's not,
3: you
4: know, he'll still be around, but it's just a shame for me personally that, uh, that, that chapter's over. Cause he had a really good run for a long time.
3: Yeah. The, 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 what could have been factor, I think is, is going to be interesting to reflect on with Rick because he, he obviously, obviously uh, raised his flag with Kelly racing when they went and did their own thing, which was the, the logical choice to, to build the family team and, and what a great, endeavor that's been over a decade and what they've built down there in Brayside's really impressive. And we've talked a lot this year about what Kelly's have done in the last 18 months, you know, in, in, not only in, in getting those Ultimas somewhat competitive last year, but, um, but going back to building that Nissan program, but then everything they've done this year to go to the Mustang. So um, yeah. I mean, if, if Rick didn't have the Kelly racing thing, you you wonder what else his career would have, delivered because when he was in really good machinery, he was as good as anybody in the Walkinshaw era and won a championship, won two Bathursts, um, done all of the things that everyone does in the sport. So um, yeah, I I imagine there's a little bit of not frustration, but reflection on what might've been, but at the same time, what a, what an awesome career and the legacy that he's, he's got now with Kelly racing as a team with Todd is, is immense so um and that that could last another 30 years who knows
4: yeah i mean a couple other things with rico one he's great with the commercial stuff i've sat in meetings where we've pitched the sponsors and signed them up on the spot you know i I just sort of go in there as a bit of a third wheel for a third emotional support and it sign these guys up he just was great on the commercial side of things and you always look at the little commercial deals that he Uh, picked up like he picked up channel 10 like he knew that that was coming and he went and signed on as a channel 10 talent was there for the whole time that uh channel 10 had a deal the other thing he is great with the artistic side with the socials all those road trip videos that we've seen in the last couple months he shot and edited those himself Mm. like he's there driving along with the caravan and got the drone up above and got the gopros hanging off it and he did all that himself and um it was broadcast quality, and it was put yep. together by one of the drivers. It wasn't uh, a case of having the the video team following him around on his road trip. That was all him. So, uh, yeah, a special unit, very special unit.
0: Yeah, certainly is. Uh, what other stories are we hearing in regards to possible driver changes? I hear I, I, there's been rumours about Macaulay Jones, and uh, he's maybe moving on from uh, from supercar racing.
3: Well, Macca could just end up being last man standing with, depending on what happens with the licences at BJR and, and other available drivers. He's he's in that plum sort of cool drive seat, which is a, a backed seat um, running for the family team. And, and the commercial considerations of it mean that that, that opportunity just might not be there mm-hmm. next year because there's either a driver with a sponsor or another sponsor or whatever happens to to go in that spot. So, you know, macker's still in the very early stage of his career he's certainly got time but it's been a challenging challenging couple of seasons that's for sure um yeah so bjr there's a bit of water to go under the bridge as well um uh, you know that that seat at kelly's we've talked about now with with rico i mean do they go a young guy alongside andre or do they do they go hard on the experienced and like maybe you know you, you get the feeling that maybe like a fabian would work really well at at Kelly Racing, maybe maybe that would work. I don't know. It's um, I'm, This is I'm the make, joy of this off-season. I'm
4: making one up here, but Tom Randall.
3: Yeah, would he well, slot in there? Because, I mean, he's yeah. been
4: with the the Matt White organization, which sort of has a bit of a arm's-length affiliation yeah. with the Kellys, and, I man, he won the Super 2 championship. He's probably ready to step up of all those guys.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that 100%. He, he'd have to be on the top of your list if you're going for a young guy, for sure. And, and there would be, I would imagine some commercial backing from Rusty French and Sky Sands to support that if needed, even, even outside of Tickford, if Tickford don't have space room, then sure. Erebus, um, yeah, if we
0: as we said, if Reynolds and De Pasquale both leave Erebus, uh, uh, the the talk is that probably uh, Will Brown and Brody Kostecki are the two replacements
3: there. Well, Will's, Will's in there regardless, Shebex, one way or another. Um yep. So if if one of the drivers leaves, Will Brown's in. If both of the drivers leave, Will Brown's in and then someone else. And, yeah, brody, Brody's brody been linked to that seat. It yeah, makes sense. It, it would entirely. Entirely. Proved what he can do. at Mount Panorama, a um, couple of years in DVS, probably hot to trot. Yeah, I, there's not much you can add about that, is there? It, but that's a big wholesale, wholesale change for Erebus who go from having two quite experienced drivers and Anton's a young bloke, but he's been around for a while now and got plenty of miles and podiums and Reynolds, of course, as a multiple winner to go from that to having two absolute rookie drivers uh, in last year of the current car. And then going into a, a new gen car in 22, which needs all the development and that if you ever want an experienced hand in one of your cars to help learn and unlock a brand new package that, everyone else is starting from scratch on then then that's 2022 so that that might be a bit of a disadvantage for them i don't know
4: i suppose there's some other talking points team sydney what are they doing matt stone racing what are they doing because there's there's all everything's up in the air there Mm. matt stone said they wanted to run three cars uh tim slade's been mooted as being put into the mix there so uh still a bit to play out in that world i'd imagine
3: and, yeah. and I, the other question, Shebex, is our, our great friends at NTI um, via their many brands um, who this year sponsored six cars. Could, could we end up with them on the entire field? I mean, it's entirely likely. Such a great supporter of motorsport that they are in this country. They, they could end up backing the entire supercar field at some point next year.
0: Yeah, well, there you go. Think that's about a, that. Yeah, that's something definitely that they uh, would consider for sure uh, just one thing about team sydney as you mentioned to mark i'm kind of impressed with the way they finished off the year they started off very slow but well, well, i think that's... by the time they got to bathurst <laughs> but, and even even uh, even the bend they sort of showed a bit of
3: pace before they they started poorly before they even got to the launch yeah when they revealed their sponsor on the back of a truck on the way to the launch yeah before it was launched so things, it was an, an inauspicious start and things didn't get much better. But um, yeah, look, they were pretty good at Bathurst, weren't they? Uh, and we talked about it last week in that, um, that if there were ever a, a race, an event where experience can play a role, then it's, it's that one. And that's what Alex and, um, and Jono did. So uh, you know, I, I, I still think Chris Pith has been an underrated performer, just dragging that car, that car forward up the field over the course of the year.
4: He did a reasonable job last year when he stepped in that GRM car, didn't he? Yeah, Yeah,
3: he did. Well, yeah, he went better than Stanaway had gone almost straight away. Yeah, I um, I thought he was good.
0: The other big news in supercars at the moment, I'm sure everyone's caught up with it now, is the fact that uh, the Triple Eight team have been ejected from their home state (laughs) of Queensland. This was an amazing story when I heard it this morning. Uh, If you haven't caught up with it, Jamie Winkup yeah. and a whole lot of other guys came back from Bathurst in the 888 Transporter as a freight, effectively, although they were branded. Not quite. Uh, no. they, they had freight detention <laughs> that- as they no. were driving the truck and the like. And so- uh, the police came in, from what I'm hearing, they cleared them and then came back a few hours later and said, no, sorry, you've got to get
4: out. So the deal is that Queensland hasn't had any locally transmitted cases in 47 days. And a part of that is by just having a hard border with the universe. And if you have been into a hotspot uh, that's outside of the border region zone, you've got to quarantine for 14 days before you re-enter, unless you have an applicable pass. And there's there's passes for various reasons. If you're a, a medical professional or if you're a, a logistics provider with a truck and a truck license and you're there, legitimately providing a logistics task and the thing is it's it's hard to place it's very hard to place if you lob up to the border with a b double and you've got the pass print out the thing and you've got your truck license um a lot of people have seemingly been allowed straight through uh i think the issue got raised that people were sort of taking the mickey a bit because there are rules and regulations around it it's not that you just if you've got a truck it's free rain and you can just mm. come over the border and do as you will, uh, if you, you, you know, by the spirit of the rules, you know, by technically they probably were allowed to do what they did, but by the spirit of what is supposed to be going on, I think they were absolutely taking the mickey. And it wasn't just triple eight, which made the front page of the paper up here today. It was also a f- numerous people who went to the AMRS round at um, Queensland Raceway on the weekend, who may have been at Bathurst last weekend or simply resided in New South Wales and, you know, I've got a truck and a truck licence and I've printed myself out a border pass. And apparently there were police swimming all over QR on the weekend kicking people out of the state. And there's, there'll be a few other high-profile names I think you'll find that will surface that have been deported.
0: When I heard the news this morning and heard that they'd got into Queensland on a freight exemption, I had visions of, like, those Mexican transporters coming from into, yes. into the United States with, you know, 200 people in the... In The
4: back of the truck. J- Jamie's strapped into the, the <laughs> crawl space in the back of the Pantech. But uh, it, it's interesting because, like,
3: hello to all the, our Mexican listeners.
4: Uh, you, you know, I, I sort of do a bit of work in that space and talking to operators about to of deal Mexican with
3: Mexican cartel transporting. Yes, <laughs> that's that's new for you, Mark. The, the <laughs> drug smuggling and border border crossings. Interesting.
4: I went. I went and. Uh, and uh, i went and did a photo shoot with a an ice cream truck uh, you know like streets ice cream truck and they've all got border passes because they they carry out the freight down to new south wales and they have had a couple of police go oh we want to check what's in the back there it's minus 30 degrees you don't want to go in there oh no we'll be no they go in there for one second go yeah Yeah, there's no people in there there's ice creams (laughs) but mr whippy has a freight exemption You're not smuggling anyone in the back of it. That's no, you're <laughs> frozen.
3: <laughs> they haven't quite nailed cryogenics yet, so you can't put someone to sleep on the ice just to uh, but send them across the border.
4: So, a big hello to everyone who's uh, just about finished their 14 days' quarantine at a lovely resort in northern New South Wales, which sounds absolutely horrendous.
0: Yeah, so yeah. That, so, they've been allowed to be on in a border bubble, I think it is. Yes, There's it sort is of yeah. A, yeah, yeah, an area between. Queensland and New South Wales, where they yeah.
3: can stay. Some some people I've spoken to, I won't won't say who they are, but but they've been on the road for a long time. Um, were actually actually looking forward to it, just to plonk themselves. As much as they want to go home and see friends and family, it was like after what we've been through this year, two weeks on the the North New South Wales coast, um, just spending two weeks doing absolutely nothing actually yeah. is is not a bad thing. So I hope that people there have uh, have enjoyed that. So. And it's not strict hotel room quarantine like we're seeing it, Shane and Heimgartner do in, um, in the New Zealand, for example, at the moment. Um, no, it's, it's quite open. open or, there. They're just going to be there for two weeks.
4: Or you could have done what uh, the Lowndes did and take the caravan down to South Australia. Yes. Have a, yep. have a proper holiday and a holiday state down there,
3: Richard. Absolutely right. Uh, actually, a little little birdie tells me that young CL was out at the Bend on on Friday last week, Ooh, cutting some wax. In the In, caravan? Well, possibly. <laughs> I don't know. But there is an excellent um, big four caravan park down there at the Bend Motorsport <laughs> Park uh, yep. that Rick Kelly will vouch for because he too has stayed there. Caravan park at the stars, that joint. <laughs> the,
0: other, <laughs> the other thing we should mention too, guys, before we move on, is uh, we, we've spoken over the last couple of months about the fact that there the possibility of a Shannon's round being at Sandown in December with the uh, lifting of lockdown restrictions here in Victoria. The talk is is that motor racing could start, be it with or without crowd, here in Victoria in November. I'm hearing that the Shannon's round could go ahead. Lacking TV though, no TV coverage. It'll just be a Shannon's round, with the possibility that it would run without crowd.
3: uh Yeah, so Motorsport Australia are going to start issuing permits from the eighth of November, which I think is when your Ring of Steel, I think yes. they're calling it, uh, comes down, so you can go back to your regional Victoria areas.
0: I always saw that was provided by Colgate toothpaste, but. What was not,
3: that
4: a ring of confidence?
3: Ring uh, well, uh, something. I don't know. Not sure. Wow. Yeah, um, that's a wow. That's, we've just gone way off on a tangent. There. Well,
4: last week he was here selling KO subscriptions. Now he's on the toothpaste. But yeah,
3: exactly right. Where, where are these bucks, Jebex? We're not seeing a bloody <laughs> cent. No, we're not yet. We're
4: working on that. You've got to
3: throw the seeds out there. Yeah, sure. Let's throw, throw some speculators. Um, what were we talking about, Victoria? Yeah. Look, the. Um, if, if those Shannon's rounds run Shebex, and my sources tell me that if they run, they'll be low profile, you're right, there'll be no crowds, um, which would mean that none of the high profile categories will go.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, A, because it's unlikely that interstate borders will be open by that point anyway. Um, Northern Territory has said this morning, as we talked Tuesday, that it would likely be from the announcement of borders opening, it would likely be four weeks and that's before they actually open. And that's pretty consistent with what South Australia has been doing as well. Um, and Queensland, who knows, they've been as tough well, as anybody on their borders and like they're not open to New South Wales yet. So
4: well, I mean, we've got the election on Saturday, so I reckon about one minute past the election, we'll yeah, that, have a border that, open.
3: Yeah, okay, yeah. It, it, regardless of what happens, we yeah. did hear
4: from Garth Tander last week who said that he didn't
0: believe the TCR round would go ahead. Regardless.
3: No, I, 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 don't think it will. They wouldn't action. do it for
0: one non-championship round.
3: No, and I, I know, I know that several of those categories have put a full stop on their year, regardless. Yeah. Um. So no, nah, mate, it. That what you get get to a point where. The, the benefits stop outweighing the negatives in doing it and you just put a full stop on it and and I think the first stuff for ARG next year will be Simmons planes on Australia Day down in uh, down in Tasmania, which will be very, very cool.
0: Supercar's calendar, we're expecting it by the end of this month, we've been told for the last few weeks. It's now the twenty seventh. Oh, I think or they've been saying November, so.
3: haven't they though? Hey They've been saying November. Well, at it was meant to be they...
0: Bathurst initially. No, nah, it was but, never going to be well, Bathurst.
4: Dates don't mean anything in twenty twenty. No. Wasting our time trying to put a date on anything. No.
3: Yeah, it, uh, There's no they, point in putting dates on a calendar for next year because it could well it it could, could all change, still change. All.
4: So I mean, and the thing is too, we're hearing uh, street circuits very hard on the agenda. Newcastle, Gorn, and apparently Gold Coast too, which is heartbreaking. Yeah, extremely heartbreaking,
0: very much so. Oh, the reason I asked about the calendar was because obviously there's uh, been talk about, the, the, we, we know the fact that Channel 7 have got motor racing next year, but we've also heard now yesterday that Channel 10 have secured Formula 1 rights again for 2021. So we've got a really interesting situation there, gentlemen, of uh, supercars running a championship round possibly on 10 for one week of the year.
3: Yeah, it's just a quirk of the way it is. And the fact that the, the rights to the Australian Grand Prix TV aren't negotiated by supercars. They're negotiated by the Australian AGP. Grand Prix Corp with Formula One management, Liberty. Yeah. So um, 10, I believe, are in the last year of their deal next year to for the rights for the Grand Prix. So, um, and, and Channel 7 are, A, trying to slash and burn their costs with sports rights anyway, witness their current debate with Cricket Australia, and B are now so full of sport for next year that they probably wouldn't have had room, let alone budget to add formula one to the calendar. So um, yeah, look, it's a, it's an interesting little situation. It'll, it'll work itself out. There there are deals to be done if seven are desperate for it, but by my reckoning, it was never in seven's plans anyway um, to have that round as one of their six that they'll show live and and free on, on free to air TV. So I, I don't think that's, um, it's not a massive problem. It, it will just – supercars have been on seven and been aired by 10 at the Grand Prix in the past. No, it wasn't for championship points. Will it change things? Unlikely. Fox will be there regardless because they have their own rights arrangement yeah. with that event and with Formula 1. So that won't change. It'll still be on Fox and 10 will either take that feed or they'll do their own thing. Um,
0: Obviously, 10 will be looking for a commentary team, wouldn't they, since – uh. I have
3: uh, spent six years working for a very good company at Channel yeah. 10 and uh, I would very much put my hand up to have another crack.
0: Would love to hear the uh, dulcet tones of Richard Crowell and Jack Perkins
3: oh, I'd love to doing a,
0: supercars yeah, again.
3: I, I oh. would love to hear those dulcet tones as well. I won't lie to you. <laughs> they were good yeah. times. Some of my best memories in sports. But no, anyway. But, uh, yeah, look, that that is a small story in the grand scheme of
4: and it's probably what's been holding up the calendar anyway. I mean, that's probably...
3: Well, possibly, point. yeah. But so, Mark, up. As, as the southeast Queensland correspondent, yeah. um, no GC would be a bloody disaster, but mm-hmm. what do you do? I, I can't see them going back to QR. It just doesn't feel likely, does it? So what, what do they do? Where do they go? Townsville and... Or do 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 all of the Queenslanders miss out?
4: Well, I mean, there's been years when Sydney's missed out and it's the biggest population in Australia. Like, I Um, I don't think that really holds anything anywhere anymore. So uh, we'll wait and see. Fingers crossed the Gold Coast does find a slot on there because it's my favourite event of the year. And I I missed adult schoolies this week. That sucked. Oh, did I? Man. just, Just drinking. Oh. Actually, if we just if we just get rid of the whole car race and just re- and convene on the Gold Coast the week after Bathurst yeah. every year, I could deal with that.
3: Yeah, that wouldn't be a terrible thing, would it? No, fun. not at all. Would not be a terrible thing.
4: <laughs> not at all. Like <laughs> Gentlemen, always great hey, to
0: have
3: a chat. Hey, to you before, before we go, Shabeks, quick yeah. th- a couple of things I want to touch on. Um, if you're a New Zealander, you had a good weekend watching car racing, right? So. Scotty Dixon wins the IndyCar championship for the sixth time. Second, most of all time. One more to go to equal AJ Foyt. Um, Hunter McElroy wins his first Indy pro race of the season, the final race of the year, which is an outstanding result. Um, It happened the day after his dad had to leave the States because his visa (laughs) ran out. So Murphy's law, hard at work there. Um, and then go across to Belgium and Porsche won a pretty dramatic 24 hours of spa with a car that broke its gearbox a lap and a half from home, <laughs> like 23 hours and 58 minutes into a 24 hour race. And the thing's going down the hill to that right-hand hairpin. And there's a massive bang with Nick Tandy driving. Um, and the thing limps home and they won it. And it's eight cars finished on the lee lap in that race. It was awesome. Um, But part of that driving component alongside Tandy and Lawrence Vanthor was Il Bamba. So another Kiwi with some success on the weekend. So they had an outstanding weekend of motorsporting activities over there in the land of the long white cloud. And of course, Scott making his IndyCar debut as well, uh, not far away from us claiming him as an Australian. So um, big weekend. If you're a fan of Kiwi motor racing and hello to our New Zealand audience listening at home.
4: And a bit closer to home, I would like to personally congratulate Tony Shebecki on winning the AFL Grand Final.
3: Oh, I wouldn't suggest yeah.
0: that I won it myself, but my team did. The Mighty Tigers, Richmond, fantastic effort. Yeah. By them. Come on. It was a now, cheering. It was a cheering from afar. Got oh, across with, without a doubt. I'm not sure if you guys have caught up with the news, actually, that uh, one of Adelaide's favourite sons, has actually... Uh, Tony Modra. Tony Modra has redirected yes. <laughs> himself into the WWE. I
3: read, I read that story. It's a, some very, very smart individual has gone and licensed the name. That's brilliant.
0: Well, the WWE have, yeah. Exactly.
3: Yeah, good good on him. I like it. That's outstanding. That's an amazing Godra. Godra. The greatest yes. he's ever been. What a what a superstar. No, well done, Shebex. I, I feel like the Adelaide Crows played a role in you doing that because we were your first. <laughs> but it, do you know what? It makes that loss... Easier to bear Richmond having won three of the last four because clearly it wasn't just a fluke, it was actually the start of a dynasty. So, well,
0: well, is it was it a a dynasty or is it a a dynasty or a destiny? uh, Anyone who doesn't follow
3: Aussie rules will not know what that means. The big outcome from the grand final, Shebex, was the TV audience. So, by far and away, the biggest TV audience of the year, and it will remain the grand
0: final for the AFL.
3: Yeah, absolutely smoked rugby league. Um, 2.9 million viewers in the cities, uh, 4 million total. But the outcome of that, and there's a quick yarn about it on the racetalk.com is that that's great news for supercars, because if the grand finals back on its traditional date next year, it'll be a week before the great race. 4 million people will see an ad that they'll run at halftime going, Hey, the great race is back on seven for the first time since 2014. Yeah. Make sure you tune in. That is enormous for our sport from an eyeballs perspective to remind people about motor racing which is great to the biggest tv audience of the year so well done point. channel 7
0: and while we're throwing our congratulations to we should throw our congratulations to uh, oscar piastri who uh, has secured a, uh, a a drive
3: oh yeah in the yep.
0: Renault. yeah formula one Yeah. Uh, in bahrain so it'll be interesting to see how he goes there and we wish him all the best and hopefully we'll have him on the show in the next week or two really yeah, we'll chat about that in his uh in his year so we'll find yeah. out how that goes like yeah. it good hey, boys good on you Always great to catch up. Dale Rogers to join me in a sec. We're going to talk some Formula One and uh, and the like, but uh, we'll catch up with you guys next week.
3: Thanks, boys. Always fun. I, I think, Mark, time we rolled out a few more of our uh, top fives, yeah? Yes. Do yeah. it. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll come up with an interesting topic. What we might do as well, we'll float it on our social media. So keep an eye on At The Race Talk, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like, comment, subscribe, do all those things. Um, and we would like... You on the grid listeners to give us your top fives of whatever topic it is that we pick, we'll post that on our socials and the best ones we will talk about in the podcast.
0: Yeah, let's kick it off with the top five wankers in motorsport.
3: I <laughs> know that our Ten. legal team is not strong enough <laughs> and, and nor is the show long enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, our litigious budget
3: zero. Uh, <laughs> we'll get Will Power on, he's he's had a he knows them all, yeah, <laughs> he's called them out.
0: All right, guys, we'll catch you next week. Ciao. Richard Crow, Mark Walker, joining us here on The Grid. All right, joining us for a chat now on the grid on the talk.com, Dale Rogers. I nearly called you Dale Walker there for a sec. Dale Rogers, how are you, Dale?
5: I'm great, Chibex How are you? And congratulations to your mighty Tigers.
0: Ah, thank uh, you, mate. Just too so, strong on yeah. the night, weren't they?
5: Fantastic, yes. And the night grand final, they finally got it away. And I thought Queensland did an awesome job. So, congratulations to all involved. And uh, I'll yes. tell you what, I was
0: impressed with the amount of rain that they had during the day and how dry the ground looked.
5: Well, I think they'd imported the super suckers up from uh, Indianapolis, perhaps, Chebecs, uh, yeah. because they obviously got rid of the wood. But the Power of the Ground is a fabulous training ground. So uh, Yeah, it's a, yeah, anyway, a floodplain, so it'd have that, to be. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. But uh, it was a good win. Happy for that. And uh, we'll do it again next year. Three in a row, four and five.
5: Yeah. Does that mean we finish ninth again?
0: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Melbourne's the new Richmond. <laughs> hey, mate, let's have a chat about F1 and Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Do you think going on his merry way? A record breaking victory in the F1 Portuguese Grand Prix,
5: yes. Uh, it was an extraordinary victory. And, and I, I just i think before we jump into that, Tone, I, I just want to touch on the Eurocentric um season that we're having for Formula One, yeah. And hasn't it just opened up some amazing tracks that we probably didn't think we'd ever see Formula One cars on? Uh, Mijolo and now Porto, it's, yeah. They're ready-made circuits for Formula One and absolutely superb. Um, clearly, the, the big issue uh, in Portugal on the weekend was a circuit that was uh, surfaced not more than a month ago. And uh, what a surface it was. Uh, brilliant track. And, and, you know, I think you look at tracks that have undulation and they always provide great racing. You know, you can see it. And, of course, we've got the ultimate track here in, in Australia at Mount Panorama. But Majella was the same, you know, ups and downs and, and corners that are banked. And it, it, it was, it's a stunning circuit, brilliant venue. And um, Lewis definitely did it. It was, it was really interesting, though, that they, they went on a, on a tyre strategy that clearly in the early laps did not work. Um, they were swamped in the early laps on the medium when the, when the, round, the guys around them on the softs just bolted past. But, of course, it all came back to equilibrium uh, when the tyre strategy rolled out. A highlight for me, Tony, was Kimi Raikkonen's first lap, sixteenth um, to sixth in the, on the first lap on a brand new set of soft tyres. Yeah, the vision from his car is just fantastic, and it's Kimi's yeah. best. And uh, yeah, that's the sort of thing we want to see from Raikkonen. It was disappointing, though, that as as it all rolled out, that he didn't he didn't wasn't able to get a point out of it because he certainly deserved it with something like that. But he finished eleventh, and uh, unfortunately, no points.
0: No, exactly right, and. Uh... As we said, it was Lewis Hamilton who's just—he's well—he's pretty much got the championship wrapped up, hasn't
5: he? Yeah, long way in front now, Tony. He's—he's uh, well and truly, uh, uh, you know, a, a mile in front of Bottas. Bottas has just become the the classic number two. He—he's—he's he's stunningly fast in practice. Um He's, you know, he's a great qualifier. But when it all comes down to Sunday afternoon, he is trailing uh, Lewis just about every time. So. An amazing career from Hamilton to date. Uh, breaks the record. It's been interesting to see some of the, uh, the greats of the sport's commentary on it. Martin Brundle had a very nice piece to say this week. Jackie Stewart was perhaps less than, uh, than supportive of Lewis's uh, brilliance. But there's no doubt about it. You, you know, he is with the greats. Uh, he's in an era. He made, a, he made an absolute key decision in his career to leave McLaren and go to Mercedes. The Mercedes was on the up. Uh, it was, you know, like all drivers do, they took a bit of a punt on what they saw, but he gelled with the team and the team's just become the dominant force for, for the, basically the bulk of his career. So congratulations to him. He, he's done a great job. He's polarising character. And um, yes. I guess yes. that one of the great things about him is that he actually is a polarising character because, you know, one thing I don't look forward to is hearing uh, Valtteri Bottas speak on press conferences yeah. because it's just downright boring. At least this guy's got some character and he's got some pizzazz and we – you know he's he's got a, he's got his agendas and you know he's a, he's an international star so for Formula One it's a good thing, um, yeah and, and uh, but he will he will march on now he's 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 well and truly in front of Bodas. He's got a couple of rounds to go. Imola's going to be great. The other one I'm looking forward to Tony, is this this outer outer ring at Bahrain towards the end of the year. It's, it's, people call it an oval. It's not an oval, but it's, it is an outer ring circuit. So we're still going to see some really cool things emerging in Formula 1, particularly going back to Imola, which is just a, a brilliant circuit in Northern Italy uh, and Bahrain. So there's still a lot of excitement to come. And uh, now the supercars are finished. We've still got five uh, five rounds to go.
0: I'm actually quite interested in regards to the calendar, Dale, because uh, obviously we've got, I think there's, as you said, five rounds to go. Imola and Istanbul, then Bahrain for two weekends, and then they finish off in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. I'm Watching the news tonight, it would seem that COVID-19 has forced the closure and put countries such as Italy and the like back into a lockdown situation. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering whether there's any concerns about Imola uh, happening this weekend.
5: Yeah, I'm sure there is. There was even some of the journalists, Joe Sayward was saying that he was from Portugal. He was heading back through Spain uh, to his home in France. And, uh, you know, Joe's been around Formula One for, for many, many moons. And uh, he had to take a bypass because he couldn't, you know, he'd be locked down in Spain. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it, look, it's exploded in Italy. As, and uh, Sorry, in Europe, as, as we know. Uh, there will be some concerns for sure. Um, certainly Middle East, I don't think they'll have a problem with, with the rounds in the Middle East. But I hope that that Italy... Um, it doesn't get cancelled because the MLB is just a stunning circuit. As you say, going back to Turkey, because Turkey was a circuit that Bernie Eccleston actually bought um, and was on the calendar for some years. One of the great moments of uh, inter-team rivalries with uh, Mark Weber and, and Sebastian Vettel, yeah. and the, one of the many they had at Turkey, and uh, the, the infamous turn eight at uh, Turkey, which is one of the, the really big balls, uh, flat-out uh, you know, corners. So I'd love to see that track back on as well with these new generation cars because they'll be so fast there. So yeah, let's hope that uh, the season beats COVID uh, and, and we get through.
0: A lot of drivers, including Junior Ricardo, complaining about inconsistent tyre temperatures in yeah, Portugal I, that made it really tough for them.
5: Yeah, I mean the tyres were absolutely the uh, the story of the day. Yeah, you know, the surface was was so new. Um, that, some cars were reacting very well. You could see the cars on fresh, soft tyres were quick, but the, 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 the drop-off was huge. It took a long time to bring the, the uh, mediums in. And remembering, these were the three hardest compounds that Pirelli make. So, in fact, the, the soft for the weekend would have been a harder some, or a, certainly a medium at some circuits. So they really were struggling. But it had a lot to do with it with the age of the surface. And, uh, yeah, Dan, and, and uh, Renault struggled, you know, really they did. But... Now, Dan managed to get a couple of points and retained his fourth place in the championship, Tony, which is, which is great. Um, some of his, the guys around him obviously uh, didn't have a great weekend, but uh, uh, he's still fourth and he's still got a bit of a gap, so let's just hope he can take that momentum on.
0: We spoke Supercar Silly Season with Richard Mark earlier on. We've had a fair bit of speculation in regards to what might happen for F1s in 2021. And one of the big stories coming out of Portugal on the weekend was the fact that Sergio Perez may take Alex Albon's seat at Red Bull Racing. Uh, reading anything into that?
5: Yeah, well, Red Bull are never, never afraid to cut people. Um, they're never afraid to cut people out of their academy either. Um, you know, Gasly was, was moved up to the team and moved back to Uh, uh He must be a contender. Uh, you know, brings a lot of money, but I'm not sure that's something Red Bull are looking for. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's also there's clearly there's a, there's a, a, a gap for him at Williams, and uh, Williams will welcome his money with open arms. And you've know, got to say that, that if you look at the results, 12th and 14th again on the weekend for Williams, in a, in a race that I think there was only one DNF, um, that's, you know they're just at the bottom of the midfield now as well. So if they can continue and someone like Perez could drag that team on. I feel that George Russell could be the one that's compromised here, Tony, and uh, that mm. would be sad because he has done a stunning job. Uh, Mr. Saturday, uh, he's, yeah. you know, he's made it through to yes. Q2 on a number of occasions, done a great job in that card. You know, again, a driver that's driving above the car um, and really, really hauling it around. So it'd be sad to see him go, but the, yeah, there is definitely, Perez holds a lot of the cards, I think, because he also comes with a substantial budget from Mexico. So teams that are looking for someone, not only of his experience, and he's got plenty and he's a and he's a very, very good driver. His recovery on the weekend was was outstanding from being turned around by Max on lap one. Um He's, he's a hot asset, and I think he, uh, he holds a few of those. You know, we talk about who holds the cards before they fall. He holds a lot of them as to where he ends up. Albon, um, you, you don't get a lot of chances at Red Bull, Tony. You know, if you just can't cut it, yeah. you don't survive. And to see him seven-tenths of a second off Max on, on that, yes, he got, it, he got it up in qualifying, but he really has to turn it on to just get that gap to Max. As Martin said on the, on the telecast, you know they want two guys that are legitimately fighting for the position and they've had that in the past they've had it with Weber they've had it with Ricardo with Patel you know they've had those drivers in this position and obviously with Max uh, it, to have the second driver in a car that is is absolutely a podium car battling for sixth is not something that sits very well particularly with a uh, good friend dr. Marco
0: no exactly right uh, rap to see Ferrari starting to find some consistency in some pace especially with Leclerc.
5: Yeah, great, wasn't it? I mean, look, the sport loves to see Ferrari, lo- lo- loved love to but They love to see Ferrari and 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 the sport needs Ferrari to be competitive. It's 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 desperately it's just not a thing that the the fans want to see to see them pounding around and you know, trying to make Q3 or you know battling for the back end of the points. The sport needs Ferrari as much as Ferrari needs the sport. And yes, Le- Leclerc is driving really well. You know, Vettel you know, I don't know. Is he, he he doesn't seem uh, to, to be to have that fire in his belly at the moment. Maybe he's he's, he's checked out. But uh, he is struggling with that car. To be fair, There's, you know, sometimes it gels, sometimes it doesn't. Um, if you look back at uh, two thousand and fourteen, I think that Ricardo whipped him at Red Bull when he couldn't come to grips with the Red Bull car, yeah. and Dan came in fresh and said, "Oh, I've got no problems with this. I can drive around the issues and absolutely belted him." So. Maybe it's a car thing, maybe it's a motivation thing, but um, you know I think him at at, uh, Racing Point next year will be should give him a new lease of life. Uh, Leclerc is absolutely, um, but he's going to have a he's going to have a real uh, uh, go on his hands with science next year as well, because you know Carlos drove again another good race, brilliant Mm -hmm. on the opening laps when he carved up the two um, uh, the two Mercedes. And uh, a McLaren again with with, good results for both their drivers, and that that, uh, really uh, augurs well for for Dan next year alongside Lando Norris. So uh, I think Ricardo said in the interview in leading up to the race that the midfield now is so close between Renault, McLaren, and Racing Point, and then you throw Ferrari in there as well. And apart from Mercedes, which is sort of on another planet. and Red Bull, the, 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 the battles are really, really cool in that midfield, uh, making up the places.
0: If, uh, if I'm right, there was only six points separating three teams for third, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, Before yeah. The, the, weekend. Const-
5: the constructors is really, really on. And the, the fact that they're mixing their, you know, they're all getting some points. Uh, Renault, Renault had two drivers in the points. Uh, Stroll, uh, you know, unfortunately, at the moment, appears to be the, the weak link for, um, uh, for Racing Point. He was crook. He's, he got punted out um, one race ago, He missed a race and really didn't perform on the weekend. And uh, uh, there's some question marks over him. Um, it's confidence thing, but you know, Perez has come back in that car was great. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the battle for effectively, which is third in the, in the constructors championship is on for young and old, because yeah, Ferrari- I can give you, you those
0: points. Goes. I can give you those points now, Dale, after the weekend's racing. So McLaren are on 106 in third place. Racing Point on 92, so 14 points behind. And then Ferrari, uh, sorry, and then Renault on 83, so they've dropped to 23 points behind McLaren.
5: Yeah, that's the gap starts to open a bit. I think with Renault only getting a, an 8th and a ninth on the weekend, that hurt them. Uh, but you can see that you only need two of the guys in in 5th and 6th place in one of those teams not to finish and yeah. you're right back in the game. So uh, plenty, of points to, plenty of points available, so constructors are on, but it is showing that Stability of rules over a number of years always brings the field closer together. I think you've just got to take Mercedes out of this discussion because they are clearly operating at a higher level. But stability of rules tends to bring the field together, and that's really what's coming after now a number of years with this with this current set of rules. They've been tweaking it. Obviously, there's been some um, aero changes, but the package is effectively the same, and it, it does provide better racing. So we've got to go through the whole thing again with the new car in 2022. Um, but it means 2021, where they've basically put a freeze on the regulations because of the COVID issues for this year. Uh, it should emerge as, a, as a, pretty, a pretty cool year next year as well. But a lot to play out. Yeah, look, I think the horse is bolted at the front, but there's a lot of interest. Uh, it, it's it's sad in one respect that we're talking about the thirds and the fourths and the fifths, but that's where the interest is and that's where the racing yeah. is at the moment. And uh, that's, you know that's Formula One.
0: Uh, exactly right. All right, as we wrap it up, Dale, uh, what can we expect at Emily this weekend?
5: Well, as I said, I think Imler is one of the, one of the great circuits. You know, the, the Formula One has, has had a, a storied history there for many moons. Um, it's, it's a track that rewards a bit of bravery. There are a couple of corners there. There are some great passing opportunities at Imler as well, but these, you know, these cars are hard to pass. Um, it'll be a tyre race. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what tyres probably take to the track because the track, unlike what we've just been to in Portugal, is not a new track. It'll be a bit, It'll be a bit gnarly and there'll be cracks and everything. We've seen sports cars run there just recently, and uh, you know, and a Ferrari Challenge run there as well. And uh, look, I think it's a sort of track that you that Mercedes will dominate on. It's a sort of track I think if, if if Red Bull get it together, they could be competitive. Uh, but then look out for the balance of them. I think they'll be clawing the leech over, and let's hope that Dan can uh, regain a bit of that form he lost in in Portugal.
0: No, exactly right. Good on you, Dale. Thank you for your time, mate. Really appreciate it as always. And we'll catch up next week. No worries, Stone, All the best. Cheers, mate. Dale Rogers joining us here on The Grid. That's it for another program. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to catching up again soon right here on The Grid.